we started a new series a couple weekends ago, right before Here for Good, called the ABCs of Financial Freedom. And it was, we were trying to make it real simple, real simple, right? ABCs. And it was really all about our attitude. And I think if most of us are honest, if we're honest across the room, you know, we've got a little bit of a jaded feeling about money, particularly when the church starts talking about money. Everybody starts questioning, starts wanting to dive into some things. But here's what we wanted to get to in that first week is that when we acknowledge the sovereignty of God over everything, that the earth is the Lord's and all in it, and when we acknowledge that, there's a change in attitude. There's a change in perspective that it's not all about how good I can do with it or even what I want to do with it, but we begin to see ourselves as stewards, as faithful managers. Uh, a steward is simply uh, one who manages God's money, God's way for God's glory, really simply. That's our heart in uh, this series is to start with the right attitude. Because if we don't start with the right attitude, it's kind of everything. Um, and today we're going to talk about a, a, a B, and it could be, I think, a choose-your-own-adventure. I always love the choose-your-own-adventure books. I reference them often. And I think this B could be for bondage or it could be for blessing, and I think that's a, a choose-your-own-adventure. So we're going to dive into the text pretty deeply here in, uh, in just a, a couple of moments. But when we begin to think about debt in our lives and in America, like we're supposed to be like the wealthiest country ever, but we're like the third most indebted country ever, like behind Japan and one other country that I can never remember. Um, but at least the Japanese, they actually like save 18%. So even if they're indebted to other countries, they're putting back 18% for retirement, and then they're going to be um, good there when it comes to an individual basis. When it comes to us as Americans, you, you guys know, I'm not going to have to build the case very far that in, as Americans, we're, we're deeply, deeply in debt in our own lives. Look at some of these uh, statistics about about uh, the averages um, on debt in Americans' lives. The average credit card debt is 15600 and some of you are like, that's nothing. <laughs> um, average mortgage debt, about one fifty-five. That's true right here in this city, too. Average student loan debt, 32000 Some of you are like, that's nothing. Um, in total, Americans owe $882 billion in credit card debt. That's a lot of debt. I think it, at first, kind of glance, be like, all right, cool statistics, man. Where, where are you going with this? Here, here's the, the big idea that I, I want to begin to lay out for a couple minutes is that we got to be aware and understand about the subtlety of debt. And then we're going to get into it in just a minute about what God's word teaches on it. And I, <clears throat> there's a question I want you to be thinking to yourself as, as we go along is, if I'm spiritually free in Christ, then why am I so physically in bondage? Whether that be to sin this morning or whether that be to in our finances that we're so in, in bondage. Because on a monthly basis, here's the, statistic, the statistics. If we break all that down on a monthly basis, the average credit card payment is about 200 bucks between a couple. That's paying minimum payments only. That it's probably actually a little bit higher than that, but I'm just averaging out there. The average mortgage payment, $1,200. The average student loan debt, about $200 a month. Average car payment, about $400 a month. The, the new cars are like $480 or something, and then the, the used ones are at an all-time high of like $380. Um, in total, Americans pay around $2,000 each month toward debt. $2,000 a month. If you kind of 
cast that out over the whole year, we're talking $24,000 that someone else is making money off of us. And it's crazy, like, if we become aware, like, I've joked about this from the stage, and my wife knows it drives me nuts, but I hate product placement. Like, I hate it. Like, a good show, like my favorite show, if they start putting product placement in, oh, I love my new Scion, like, I'll just turn it off and, like, canceled it. Like, because I hate being bought and sold. Like, I hate that idea, but the truth of the matter is that all of us are constantly being bought and sold in America. Like, and it's everywhere, and it's so subtle, and if we're not aware of it, I just encourage you, like, try to pick up on as much product placement as you can um, on TV shows. It's not just the commercials, it's in the TV shows. You don't have to get jaded about it like I do, but um, you can at least begin to, to, to recognize the subtlety that it's just in there. And we say, well, what, what does this matter spiritually, man? Like, we're working on it. Get out my face, man. I'm working on it. But I think it, when we begin to understand God's word about this, it's incredibly freeing. But before we get to that, I want to lay this out for you in a very, very practical sense. So we said the average credit card debt is what? Um, what, $15,000, $16,000 currently? You're like, well, I don't have that much, or I have close to that, or more than that. Well, let's look at that. Let's just take 3000 just as an example. And I just want to help you understand kind of what we're up against and help you realize that we're, we're making bad decisions. We're, we're making bad decisions with our money, and God's given us way more wisdom and has a different plan for our life than what we've been pursuing. Let's say a 3000 credit card debt doesn't take long. Like You get the thing in the mail, you look at it, and it's like, Free money, 0% interest for the first 12 months or 6 months. And you're like, sweet, I don't have to pay anything. Um, and then we, the washing machine breaks and like that goes on there. It was just there for emergencies or it was just there for the points at one point. But then the, we need new tires. Like we go in, one tire breaks, and they're like, well, you really need all of them. We're like, all right, let's do it right there. Back to school shopping. Like you, na- like you name it, how you get from zero to 3,000 in a matter of one or two months. Like doesn't doesn't take long. Can somebody just be honest? Can we just be honest this morning? It doesn't take long for it to get from zero to 3,000 very quickly, and then from 3,000 to 16,000. So let's take that 3,000 credit card debt that is probably pretty normal across this room. All right, let's just, let's just say it. it's probably pretty normal across this room and begin to look at that. So let's say 15% interest, which is probably somewhere in the middle, somewhere as high as 24%, I think is what they can go. Let's say that 15% interest, the minimum payment each month is going to be $60, which we obviously couldn't afford to do much more than that because that's why we put on the credit card in the first place. But each month, that $60, so after the first month, it goes all the way down to, what, 29 76. Because 36 of that dollars is paying somebody else. They're making money off of you. So on the, the course of just the first year, like just think about it like this. When, I, when I'm working and using the credit card, at the beginning of the year, would I want to write a $400 check to Visa? Like that would just break our heart. If we just had to write like we do for taxes and imagine, like times that by all your credit card, we wouldn't want to write a $400 check just for nothing. We wouldn't want to do that. It's wasteful. And so 36 is going. How long do you think it would take you to pay off that? Anybody want to guess? Just out in the room? Just shout it. Four, three years. Three years. If we pay, yeah, if we're hustling, if we're doing that, yes. If we just do the minimum payments, it's probably somewhere closer to 16 years. If you pay minimum payments only. Because that original $3,000 debt is not a $3,000 debt. It's a $6,600 debt. 
because you will have paid them more than what you actually borrowed. You double. So here, here's how this begins. It's subtle. It's so subtle. We don't realize how, how in deep we are and how it's so hard. Once you start in that, it's so hard to get up above it and get out of it. It's because 15% of interest is a lot of money every single month. Uh, and the credit cards are the worst. So it's more than double the principal balance. So here's how this can frame our thinking the next time we're in Best Buy and we see a great deal on a TV. And it's, it is $500 for a 75-inch TV that walks and talks and changes diapers. Like, that is amazing TV. Yeah. It's a five, for $500, can you imagine? And it wasn't a, it's not a $500 TV if I put it on my credit card and make the minimum payments. It's a $1,000 TV or more. So I, if I do, because that's the reality of what's happening across America, what's happening in this room, is that we're just paying the minimum payments, and so we end up paying double. So what we do as a good deal or as a good thought, is it worth it when it's double that? And almost always, it'll be like, no, it's definitely not worth double the amount, but that's the reality of what we're doing, and it's so subtle. Like, the technology is making things even harder for us because, like, the Google Home and Alexa thing, like, you tell your wife something that you saw or, like, we need diapers, and then, like, you get an email 30 seconds later that's, like, one click away from hitting diapers and, like, everything, and it, it's connected to your credit card, so it goes there. Whether that was the best deal or not, we just, we just take it. It's so subtle. There's this one supermarket technology that sort of blows my mind. Some of you have probably seen this. But you, you set it up, you put your credit card into the app, and it's set up in there, and you can literally walk around and just put it in your cart, and then when you walk out the door, it charges. You never pull out a card, you never have to take out cash, and while we're like, whoa, that's amazing technology, we live in the Jetsons' future, the truth of the matter is that the, it's all about their bottom line. Like, they love the technology so that they can make, make more money. Like, that's what it's about. And we don't realize how subtle these things are. And we can go on and on and talk a lot about the practicals, but that's what we've been trying to do in our, uh, our, our workshops midweek. But I want to begin to look at God's word. and like, okay, pastor, like, let's, what is what's God's word? Like, we know. We know what the debt situation is. We know how hard, and most of us want to just kind of push it out of there, push it out of sight, out of mind. But let's look at just quickly seven principles about biblical debt that we find in the scriptures. And then, um, and then we'll, I want to dig in and just share, share my heart and give, give you a few, few more nuggets here. Seven uh, principles. Going into debt makes you a servant to someone other than God. You can jot down the references. We're not going to read through all of them, but it makes you a servant. Like our Heart, God's desire is that, that we live our lives to serve him with everything. And then we become a servant. And if you don't, all it takes is missing a couple payments or missing a couple of months and see if you don't feel like a servant <laughs> that's enslaved and they're calling and calling. That's all it takes. The second one, it's clearly a sin if you borrow and don't repay. And like across this room, it's probably pretty common that we've, you know, we've, we borrowed because we couldn't handle it, life circumstances, a hospital visit we didn't anticipate. But if we don't repay, it, it actually biblically is a sin. It's, it's not a sin to borrow, but if we don't repay, like God's not, not pleased. It's, it's dishonoring to him because he has a completely different plan for us, and we're not living up to that. Uh, 
The third one, the Bible warns it's, it's better to not go into debt. That's kind of the Bible's perspective. Like, you're better off if you don't. And everybody said, yeah, that sounds good. Um, uh, fourth one, the longest term of debt uh, God's people took in the Bible is seven years. After seven years, it was part of the Jewish law that it had to be wiped out. And so that kind of co- um, coincides with principle of Sabbath and when it's all about freedom. God doesn't want you. So, hey, so let's look at it like this. Like most of us aren't going to get out of our mortgage debt in the next seven years, but maybe right now you just need to trigger a clock. You need to put a time on it. The next seven years, I don't care what we've got to do, but like I'm going for everything. Maybe that's not in the mortgage. That's a tough one. That takes a little bit longer. Uh, five, when you're in debt, you're not in control of your financial future. It's, it's God that's supposed to be leading and guiding us, and our options become limited when $2,000 is going out a month to debt. Think about what you would do with that extra 2000 that extra 24000 throughout the year. And for some of us, it's more, some of us, it's less of what's going out. But that begins to open up our options. Uh, when you go into debt, you're asking someone other than God to meet your needs. That one's got to resonate with us this morning. It's about trust. It's, a, it's about trust, our relationship with God. And that's many times revealed in our money. And some of you have gone through a low valley when it comes to finances. And I'm telling you, if God wants to do anything in this time, it's to build trust in him. It, it's for you to put him first in everything and to trust him in all things, to trust him to meet your needs. And I think you really begin to see how much God loves you when you are just blown away with how God shows up at just the right time. The last one, and then I want to dive into my text this morning. When you go into debt and mortgage your future, you affect your whole family. There are consequences that comes with all of it. Okay, so that's just some principles to kind of get us rolling, begin to put some pillars on what the Bible teaches uh, about debt. There, there's probably more that we could go into. That's just kind of laying a foundation. I want to rest. Everybody take a deep breath with me, right? We get tense, start talking about debt. Just, just relax, okay? We as a church, um, we're debt-free, praise God. Um, we have no credit cards. We, we owe no lenders. We have no charge accounts, um, and my prayer is that one day when God expands our, our, our space and extends our territory, that we would go walk into that debt-free. That's my heart's prayer. And I believe that God can do it. So that's my heart's prayer. Um, my family, we've got some debt. We've got a mortgage. We've, we've got a, a couple other small debts. Uh, no credit card debt, but some student loan debt we're trying to pay off. Um, and so I'm just, I'm just starting. Let's be real. Okay, so everybody just shake it off. Like, this guy's not up here perfect saying he's got it all together but saying that God has a way, and God can, God can do this. God can do this. And I want to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to read with you like 12 or 14 verses, and I want you to see God's plan for you and why all these principles are in place, because we begin to see what God really wants for our life. It starts with an if. So many times, God's promises start with an if. If you... Fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. Not third in debt, but first. All these blessings will come on you. 
and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Let's, I want you to just start, if, and then start looking at all these blessed, you will. Like what God will do and what you will um, receive. You will be blessed in this city and blessed in the country. When you're walking in obedience, it doesn't matter where you go. You're blessed. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land, and the young uh, of your livestock, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. Not only everywhere you go, but everyone that's around you begins to be blessed. Think about that in family terms, and generations of poverty, and think about generations of blessing. Your basket and your kneading uh, trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. When you walk in obedience, if you fully obey, right, everything you put your hands to is blessed. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. Now I want you to, let's, keep, let's finish this out because there's one verse I want you to see here. Uh, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. Then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors uh, to give you. Let's finish it out here. Last couple verses. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on and in season to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God and I, that I give you this day and carefully follow them. You will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today. To the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. If, then, it's an if-then statement. If I'll trust him and if I'll obey. Blessing follows. And not just in one area, but it's like a dozen areas there in which God will bless and open up um, his provision, absolute provision and blessing. His heart is not that we would be borrowers, but we would be lenders. You'd be like, well, that's, that's Old Testament stuff, man. Look in the New Testament when the Pharisees are, are coming, and, and they're kind of using money as a way to kind of pay off God. And so they, they think that they can just kind of pay the tithe. They think they can just give money to the, to the local church, if you will. And then they can just not practice justice, not practice faithfulness Monday through Saturday. You just follow with me? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And Jesus is like, no, 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 hold up here. You can't just do one thing. You should have practiced the latter while also continuing to practice justice and mercy and faithfulness. You can't, have, you can't just do one and so some of us, like we find ourselves because of like, hey, but I've been like obeying God in this and I've obeyed God in this and I've obeyed God in this and I'm doing this. And whether the heart was right and all those things, there's these other things that were like just kind of off limits for me trusting God in. Just me not letting that addiction go. Me just not letting that budget category go. And I haven't trusted him and brought it under the lordship of Jesus. 
And so I, I wanted to, to kind of start the text right there and just know that like God's prayer at heart is not that we would be borrowers, but that we would be lenders. And that we would owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, is what Jesus said in the New Testament. That's his heart for us, that we wouldn't be caught up in bondage. Um, and so I, I, want you to, um, I want you to dive in here with me. I, I've just got five quick things I want to share. And on the theme of be, be, I want you to, first I think we've got to be honest in this room. Be honest. And I'm not going to start going through, how many got $10,000 of credit card debt? Twenty thousand. We're not going to do that. But in your heart, a moment where we look ourselves in the mirror and realize, if I'm spiritually free, why am I so in financial bondage? Or why am I still living in the bondage of the flesh in a life of sin? we got to be honest with ourselves. Because if nothing changes, nothing's going to change. I think sometimes we come in and get pumped up and we feel better about ourselves in a time, but we were never really honest about what was really going on and how we found ourselves into that. Like there, there, there's usually a reason, there's usually a path. Sometimes it's lack of wisdom and understanding and many of us that look back on deaths like, man, that was stupid. You know, like we know it now, we learned, we learned the lesson. But I think at the root of everything, even beyond just bad decisions, at the root of everything, there's... There's probably something to be extracted from the dirt, if you will, of the seed that started that root. Maybe it's the the root of the love of money. Jesus said you can't love both. You either love one and hate the other. You can't love both God and money. Money's the root of all evil. But something started that. We've got to be honest with ourselves this morning. Maybe there's a spiritual reason um, how did we get here physically? What decisions did we make? What spiritual things am I an impulsive spender when I go in that season of depression? Like if you just feel yourself, like after like something goes bad, you just need to cut them up fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just need to throw it out the window when you're driving down the road and cancel the car when you get home. Like whatever it takes. Some of us are just emotional spenders. Well, how, did I, how did I get here? Be honest with yourself and like cut some of those things off. More so, let God heal them. Let God heal them. Second thing is to be aggressive. Like, let's just get real practical here for a minute. Be really aggressive. When I was in Kenya, we had this beautiful opportunity to not only see a baby giraffe be born and get to see it take its first steps, which was awesome, but we actually got to see a cheetah hunt, which is like every little boy's dream is to like see like National Geographic happen in the wild. I don't know. At least I feel like it's a small dream. Um, but it, uh, I felt like we, we, we wanted that, and so we actually came up on this, and we followed this cheetah for like an hour, and then the, the cheetah took off running, and they're, they're, they're so fast, but they're so like tired, like it only lasts a very short time. Like if they don't catch them in the first like 10, 15 seconds, they're just like, forget about it, like they're just over it. Um, and so look what this scripture says in Proverbs here, it says in Proverbs, free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter like a bird from the snare of the fowler. That just resonated with me off the story that, like, man, that gazelle was out of here, and the cheetah didn't catch because they're not playing around with it. And I think the same could be true of us when it comes to debt. Dave Ramsey calls it gazelle-like intensity. You need to be serious about running away and knowing that the devil wants to keep you in bondage. And if you can't do it through the bondage of sin because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, if you can't do it through that, he's going to find other ways to do it. 
mentally, depression. He's going to find other ways physically, financially. He's going to find other ways to just try to keep you in bondage where you'll question you won't live out the full potential that God's placed in your life. So be aggressive with this. Be really aggressive. Um, A lot of the financial gurus say that the most important thing for you to do is to save your first $1,000. That like 65 to 70% of Americans don't have $1,000 saved back, and and you don't have to agree with that um, for your own life, like raise your hand or anything. But that's, if you do, if, that, if you're in that category, well, you're in good company. Because like most of America is in that place, don't have $1,000. And that's where the debt really begins to happen. Because when that washing machine happens, if I had that 1000 say, I can at least get the washing machine. Like when it's the right time. You know, we don't have to, to go borrow on it. We can pay it out of that. And if you're in g- good shape on that and you've got the first 1000 from there you want to start on, let me get my first month expenses and really try to build it up to a place of about five to six months of your monthly expenses. And like that's, some of us, you're like, that's a long goal for me. But like if it's a long goal, it's a long goal. But like let's begin to put one step in front of the other and be really aggressive about the first 1000 Even before you start trying to take out the debt, start with the first 1000 I'm serious. Like, try to do that because if not, it's just going to keep setting you back. And so, whatever money you've got to do there, keep paying. You know, don't just stop paying stuff. And so, for some of us, whatever it is, if you can just do the the first, you know, I can do one week, you know, of expenses, then do that. Get there first. Take one thing at a time. Just be aggressive about it. It's not going to happen on accident. Um, yeah, and there's lots of different ways to do this. When we started, uh, when we got married almost 10 years ago, we, I, th- I think we paid the exact same amount for our groceries 10 years ago as we do now with five, like with five of us total. Pay the exact same amount. Nothing's changed, really. It's because we've been aggressive. It was our budget amount, and we're not changing with it. And my hope is even when they're teenagers and they're eating us out of house and home, um, that we can, I'm just going to be, I think it's just going to be a goal for me. It's going to be a little bit of a game. I'm just going to be so aggressive about it. I'm going to try to keep it right in the same budget amount, and it's not going to go up. So be aggressive about it. Um, and and the, the next thing is to be diligent. To be diligent. Just consistency. Like, this isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. And, and some of us are getting stressed and anxious about even trying to make our way out of the debt. And we've just resigned ourselves to this is just what life will be. I'll die upside down. <laughs> you know? I'll just be buried upside down because that's how I am financially. That's not God's plans for you. And it's got to start with the attitude, going back to the A. But I think the attitude comes into a daily mindset to just be diligent. Be diligent. What's the, what's the, it's just a march. It's just a march. What's the thing I got to do today? And I think it's not just a matter of obeying one of God's principles, but obeying all of them. I think in, if you carefully, carefully obey my commands, as the scripture says, carefully obey them, I think that speaks to a sense of diligence. Like I'm really looking in and making sure I'm honoring God. Am I honoring God in all these different commands that we looked at? earlier. I think many times we think discipline is something that's saved for certain personalities. But discipline's not saved for certain personalities. Last I checked, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's called self-control. Discipline's not just for people who are disciplined, you know, and who who were raised that way or their personalities lend that way. I I really believe it's birthed out of relationship with, 
with God, that we, we have self-control in our urges and our splurges. So be diligent when it comes to paying off this debt. You know, we can't just go three, three weeks and like feel good about it and then we're nine months and then we hit Christmas and we spin out of control. It's going to take diligence. It's going to take being aggressive about this. Fourth, be smart, right? I'm giving you five B's this morning. Um, it's such a pastor thing to do, right? Um, the B's. Be smart. Be smart about it. You can wander into debt, but you can't wander out, is what Dave Ramsey says. So once we find ourselves, how did I get here? I don't know how I got here. But it, it's not going to happen that easy. We've got to be really, really smart in our approach here. Whatever that looks like for you, if that's getting educated on cheaper ways to do your groceries, if that's getting educated about what a debt snowball is, how do I attack this debt, where do I, do I start with the, the largest ones? Do I start with the small ones? There's Internet's an amazing place when it comes to resources on financial content, so you can go get that. Start with looking up debt snowball. Be educated. Be diligent in learning and growing and be smart about it. When Jesus was sending his disciples out, he said, I want you to be as cunning, or that could also be translated as wise as serpents. It's kind of weird that Jesus is referencing serpents, because when we think about that, we always think about like the devil like you know, in the garden type deal. But he's like, I want you to be as cunning as serpents, he said, but as innocent as doves. So be smart as we go out, to be wise, because you know what? There's, they're using all kinds of cunning and smart tactics that are not illegal, but they're using them for you to be bought and sold. But God has called us to be smart as we go out, to be very smart, to be very wise, um, don't be sold so easily. Be very aware of just the subtlety of debt. Y'all are going to walk away super jaded today, and that's not my, that's not my heart. But I, maybe, it, maybe it is to a certain extent that we see things a little differently. That $500 is not just $500 when it goes to our credit card. Uh, and the last thing uh, is just to walk in being blessed. To be blessed. That it, God's design for us, God's prayer for us is not that we would be in bondage in any way, shape, or form. It is for freedom that you've been set free. I always thought that text in the New Testament was super repetitive. You know what I mean? It is for freedom that you've been set free. Well, obviously, you just said that. It's like, but there's something powerful like when you begin to think about it that, that he wants us free. That's why he set us free. That's why he set us free. It's, it's not so that we could go back into the bondage of sin. It's not so that we can go back into the bondage of debt. And while we're always going to be fighting the battle, I, I, I always put it like this. I think of like the man on the moon and that flag goes in the, the ground on the moon. While Jesus puts that in there, it is our job to hang on to it. Hang on to it. Because he's hanging on to us. He's hanging on to us. And so it's to focus our attentions and know I, that we're walking a, a life of blessing. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you've not received a spirit of slavery to fear, again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. You didn't, when you came to be a Christ follower, and if you're not, today can be the day that you confess your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. 
that you didn't have this spirit of slavery in that moment, like he set you free from it. And so his plans for you are not for you to continually live in bondage and slavery to sin that leads to fear, but that, that you were given a spirit of adoption, that you're a son and daughter of the God who owns everything. And his design is that you would be a lender and not a borrower. And for some of us, that feels like so far out there. Okay, well, let's do one thing at a time. Let's obey him in this. Let's obey him in this. Let's obey him in this. Let's be diligent. Let's be smart. Come on, are you with me this morning? Like be, I remember walking um, and, and talking with a professor of mine when I was in college, and he was telling me, well, actually, it came out of um, my Russian teacher, never prayed with her eyes closed, and I always thought that was a little bit weird. And uh, then I, had, I started talking to a professor. I'm like, is that customary around the world? Do people pray with their eyes open? And so a lot of times I pray with my eyes open now because I'm like, I guess we can do that. There's nothing the Bible says you can't. Um, and so, but from there, he, he started talking with me. He's like, actually, you know, how we sit down and we bless our meals. You know, that's an important part of like American Christian culture. He's like, in other parts of the world, like they don't pray over the meal and it's not because they're not thankful or grateful, and I still pray over my meal all the time, so um, before you misread my intentions. But he said, but people in these other countries, that they actually believe that they're constantly in a state of blessing. They don't have to stop and like re-pray over everything and like do, because I, I'm just, I just believe I'm blessed. And for me, it's a mind thing. It's like a real like discipline for me to actually do that and like slow down, take a deep breath and know that this food's not on the table because of my efforts, but because God's given me strength to work and wisdom to handle the money. So for me, that's, that's, that's why I do that. But for them, it's this mindset of being blessed, and I think we've got we've to take that on. Some of us, we just ride, we're up and down, up and down, up and down, but every morning we just got to realize we've been given a spirit of adoption that we can cry out, Abba, Father, and, and someone in the room is probably in such a deep place of depression or financial like debt or, or whatever it might be in your life right now that it's hard for you to open your mouth or even begin to think about this stuff. But you just need to, like Paul said here, that we can cry out. We've been given the spirit of adoption that we can cry out, Abba, Father, like Daddy, like take care of me. God wants to bring us in this. And I just believe that God could... I told you when we started this series that this isn't about what we can get from you. This is what, what God wants for you. It's what God wants for you. But as much as it's about what God wants for you, I want you to just, I want to paint a vision for you and tell you something that's happened on the other side of the world right now and why it's a part of my vision. I believe it's, it's God's vision too. Uh, over in South Africa right now, there's uh, an orphanage that we support. We actually just sent some money down with Kim, our missions director, and she's on site there in, in uh, South Africa. She should be coming back soon. They house 40 babies that have been rescued literally off the side of the road. Uh, we've seen pictures this week of a four-month-old that was five pounds uh, that they just got while she was there, a uh, 10-month-old that was like 10 pounds or something like that, which is really small. Uh, they haven't been fed. They don't cry anymore because it doesn't do any good. Um, she sent me a picture last week of a child whose face had been just so severely, de severely deformed because rats had chewed off her nose. 
And these are the type of babies that they're literally rescuing off the side of the road, okay? And so I'm not, I'm not doing this to toy with your emotions. I've got somewhere I'm going with this. I, I'm showing you the severity of it. They've rescued 40 babies, um, and they constantly, they try to adopt them, but no help from anybody. Like, we're one of the very few people that send money on a regular basis. Um, they just completely rely on God to provide for them. It's, a, it's an incredible, they've been on this stage before, some of you remember them. Incredible ministry. 30,000 babies were dropped off on the side of the road in that city, and most of them perished. They've, re- they've rescued some, over 100 now. Um, they've got 40 with them. High special needs in that house. My heart breaks that we're not 10, 15 years ahead of this teaching right here in our church. Because if we were so financially free, and I'm not saying this to, to mess with you, I promise, don't think I'm, I'm doing that as a motivation tool because pastors do that stuff and that messes people up. But that's not my heart because I, I believe it's God's heart. Is that if we were financially free in this room, because here's what's happened. A week, uh, last Monday, some neighbor complained about some construction that's happening there, and this, the local authorities have come in and they've shut them down as of Monday of this past week, and they said, I don't care what you got to do, you got to close it, and every day that you do not close and everybody's not vacated this premises, there's like super high financial fines. Like, that's depressing. Like, what kind of humans, like, one of the, like, there's nowhere for these babies to go, no one to care for them. They have no building. And I was just kind of mad a little bit that we're not financially in a place that we can say, this is a good God-fearing ministry, and like, let's do it right now, right here. Like, let's, let's do it. Like, let's go to a bigger building across town where they can rescue more babies and be, have everything they need to do what they need to do. Broke my heart that we weren't able to, to say yes to that right now. But I believe that's God's heart. It's not, just a, it's not what he wants from us. It's about what he wants for us, but it's also about what he wants for the world, that all the world would see out of the blessing and the love of God in such a tangible resource that is gifts and giving. And so, again, I'm, I'm not doing that to mess with your emotions, but I, if you just want to hear it on a very personal basis, what would you do with $24,000 this year? You know, what could you do with it? In your own life, what could you, could you do for the kingdom of God and for those that really need it? So I pray that you just zoom out for a second and, and not make all this money stuff about you because it didn't start as, as you. Jesus loved you so much that he gave his only son. And so I, I want to invite you to stand and pray. And my heart would be that um, we would evaluate our posture before God, our attitude before God that he would speak deeply into our hearts about the vision he has for our life and our financial life. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word that is, it's a lamp unto our feet. Literally every step we need to take, you are our guide. I pray for those that are caught up in a religion. I pray that you would just just snatch us out of that into a daily relationship. In this very moment, snatch us out of the religion and into a daily relationship. Because the religion is just going to lead to death, but it is a relationship with you that is so fruitful and so life-giving in a daily basis, God. I pray that some people in this room, not just in the area of doubt uh, or out of debt, but out of doubt and out of depression and out of any other disease or uh, trial they're up against, God, I pray that we would find ourselves rescued from the bondage of sin, rescued from the bondage of death because our attitude has changed and we know that our God can do anything. 
God, I thank you for the power, for the strength that's available to us. When we are weak, it is you who get to show your strength. And this is all for your glory, all for your renown, God. Pray, I pray today, God, that we would just grasp this in some way that you've called us to freedom, you've called us to blessing. In Christ's holy name.